Hey everybody, welcome back to the Keep It Simple podcast. If you've joined us today, you're with us for episode 17. And this is an episode that I've long uh, waited for. I wasn't sure if it would ever actually take place. Uh, But here we are today uh, on the episode. We are so thankful to welcome Mindy Henderson. A lot of people would say that Mindy is Connor's wife, but really Connor is Mindy's husband. Mindy is... um, is the glue that holds it all together and um, as i'm sure will come out in our episode uh, we've been together a long time uh, a lot of experience and a lot of life uh, different seasons of life and ages and stages of ministry and so uh, without further ado mindy henderson welcome to the keep it simple podcast hey i'm excited to be here thank you for having me yeah of course that um so um you know kind of where to start you were asking me before we came on like where are we going to start and uh just kind of at the beginning so um you know in 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 my story with connor i'd observed connor kind of interacting with john christian evans right so john christian evans was the son of a a a music director at our church and and uh, played the drums wanted to try to play the drums and of course connor was playing music connor was 14 15 years old young and um, was so patient and gentle and kind with john christian and um when others may not have been and so when i kind of got tossed into student ministry my first point of contact was connor and we talked about that a little bit in his episode and you and connor had just kind of started hanging out uh, right around that time maybe just a little before that time and but i did not know you and so he was telling me about you and the thing that was the most fascinating was at the time i think you were like 15 14 15 you have to tell me but you were co pastor co-running a a youth ministry like at a local church you and um one of your friends um were running a student ministry and i so i was telling connor i was like this mindy you know you need to get her to come to youth and he was like nah dog she can't she's she's running her own she's doing her own thing you know and so my first kind of impression with you was from connor telling me that and i thought two things number one how impressive she must be and number two who in the world would let two 14 or 15 year old students run a student ministry and then i met you and it all made sense so let's just start there how in the world does 14 15 year old young woman how do you end up kind of co-leading a student ministry which i do think that connor probably i don't know has some exaggeration to that i would say that we were um i actually called my mom today to ask her like hey what exactly was going on to remember all the details but um we were essentially preparing and creating lessons for this ministry and like facilitating conversations and teaching um, it was the church that I attended to tended through middle school and high school or some of high school and 
they in their model of like a youth group they didn't want a formal youth group they wanted more small groups Mm -hmm. and so um it had taken many forms like there had been a couple or a man and a son who had taken it over in the beginning and we were doing things with them and then that kind of fizzled out and then my mom actually had it at our house and she was facilitating it and then at some point we moved back to the church and in that is when um eva and i started that and eva is someone you definitely have to have on the podcast she is yes so cool yeah but i hope maybe you can make that connection i'd love to have her on yes and so we she actually works as the communication directors for the church that we currently attend Oh, so wow. it's a really cool, it's I a cool for, full circle thing um, yes. for us to be able to reconnect because we haven't spent much time together since high school. But we were essentially just preparing the content for that um, small group, youth group, mm-hmm. and presenting it to them and, and teaching the lessons. And so I feel like that was a, a big part of maturing in my faith was spending time creating that content and and teaching lessons and working with Eva um, and she's just has one of those personalities that really pushes you to grow in your faith. Like she expects yeah. you to be be growing and pushing and, and digging as much as she is. So that was a really cool season. So where did that spiritual formation come from? I mean, where, like in your own life, where did the spiritual formation to even step into that? Which if you're planning and facilitating and teaching, you're pretty much running a student ministry uh where did that spiritual formation come from you don't just wake up one day at 15 years old and you can do that stuff yeah well i i did grow up in the church i grew up in a little country church here in houston county um in kathleen and my mom and my grandma were very involved in the church i was there every time the doors were open it was a um just a an integral part of my life we and i guess we did a ton of missions and that was a huge part of my growing up like even within the church i would say probably monthly we went door to door and just asked the people in the neighborhood around our church if they needed prayer and then we would like write down their prayers and then we would go walk the track and pray for them and i remember doing that in like lower elementary school um age and then like every christmas we caroled and we would make fruit baskets and go out and carol to these people and i don't remember it but i used to um know the whole like christmas story by heart um i think it was like luke 2 and i would like recite it when we would go caroling and so it was just a i love doing stuff like that and then from that my mom and my sister and several um other people that church started going to jamaica on mission trips mm-hmm. and i was too young um, so I, but I still wanted to be involved. So I started collecting like happy meals and, um, any kind of toys that I could for my mom to give the kids when she went. And it was a whole ordeal because I'd make my mom drive around to all of the fast food restaurants and I'd walk in and I'd be like, will you give me like your happy meals? Which is crazy <laughs> now to think that I just walked into establishments and asked them for things. Yeah. Um, but I did, and so that was like a, something I contributed to them, and then we did a ton of fundraisers, and then starting in sixth grade through high school, I went to every summer to Jamaica on the mission trips, and mm. um, those were really cool experiences where I feel like that made me grow in my faith, because I experienced the Holy Spirit, spiritual warfare, um, like ministering to people, sharing my story at, at like, I don't know, age 11, 12. Mm-hmm. And so that was just a very like mature experience for me. And then in those experiences, just 
spending time with people who are different from me mm-hmm. and like looking at different walks of faith and just preparing content then because I would help plan the VBS. We would do VBS. So mm-hmm. we would go in the morning and do VBS. And then in the evenings, we would come back and do like a crusade or revival of sorts. Okay. Yeah. And so we would do skits. So I had a lot of experience with like creating skits and like executing skits. Um, and it was just a really cool experience. Even beyond those mission trips, our fundraising was a mission in and of itself. Like we would stand outside of Walmart with water bottles and hand them out and ask for donations, but also ask for prayer. So I'd be like praying for people outside of Walmart and we would stand on the corner of 96 and 247. And I know not everyone or old 96. So not everyone would know what this is, but some people will, but we would stand on that corner and sell donuts and wash cars by white and diamond were you near yes. the white diamond yeah, yeah. we were we, and it was kind of near the subway and all of that yeah. we were like stopping cars asking them if they wanted a dozen of donuts and i'm yeah. like what a wild thing and i think one of my favorite things that i used to do is um we did barbecue fundraisers mm-hmm. and i would open the phone book and just call businesses and ask them like how many plates they wanted like i'd would had a whole script i would explain everything to them and then i'd i would just convince them to to buy barbecue plates that we would deliver and so they do it did they actually oh yeah you'd be not i mean of course people would tell me no thank you or whatever and that was expected i feel like if a i don't know middle schooler called me today and had some spill i'd be like i'm good but you know there were some places that would be like yeah we'll get 40 plates and if I didn't cold call them from the phone book, we wouldn't have sold them. Wow. But it was just a cool thing. Like I talked to my mom today. She's like, that was a ministry in and of itself because we really like took time to pray for people and to do things um, and grow as a team because mm-hmm. it would be like a team of 20 or 30 people and we would fundraise for months and months and months to be able to go. And so we mm-hmm. built this like, you know, community within that group of people. Mm-hmm. And it's so it's just so cool to see like the the themes of community and groups of of believers gathering in my life like my mom and my grandma really set the tone for that like we Mm -hmm. spend time with our people in our church Mm -hmm. and we invest in our community and we love on people and so that like was ingrained in me from so young that it's like you give and you do and then and then going to jamaica and having those like real meaningful encounters with with Christ and with ministering to other people and and watching the people that I am in community with experience God like mm-hmm. I vividly remember Connor the last year we went Connor went with us mm-hmm. and um, and I, I think it was I think it was before you went on staff we had just started dating in February so I convinced mm-hmm. him from February to July to go to Jamaica to another country with me yeah um, but he wouldn't take me on his family vacation. I will just add that. The, <laughs> that hurt my feelings. Not that, I that would you're keeping tabs. Not that I you're, mean, yeah. I, would I know. But it was, uh, I just vividly remember being on the bus back to where we stayed. And he is just sobbing. And I forgot what happened. I forgot who we encountered. I don't remember anything about that night. But I remember looking at Connor and be like, he just experienced the Holy Spirit for the first time. Amen. And so even beyond ministering to the people of Jamaica, we actually like just getting to experience people that you're with because we were taking teenagers. Mm -hmm. So they had so many different life experiences that many of them didn't know, knew God, but didn't 
know the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And so it was that was always cool to watch. And I just feel like those were like the times that that taught me what it meant to be a Christ follower. Mm-hmm. And and so sometimes it was hard for me to come back to normal life after that. Yeah. I struggled a lot in middle school with being known as like the Christian girl oh, yeah. who couldn't make any mistakes, who had to be just perfect, who had to do whatever. But I, it was different because I felt like my heart was in Jamaica as a seventh grader. You know, like yeah. I just, those experiences really like set a tone in my life for the importance of faith and the importance mm-hmm. of community and of serving. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like if I hadn't gone to Jamaica all those times, if I hadn't done the fundraising, if I hadn't done the caroling and the knocking on doors, I wouldn't be the person I am today. And that's as a sixth grade. I mean, that's starting well even before that, actually, the, with the caroling and the door to door. And I mean, that is um, discipleship basically from your earliest years moving forward. I never, there's a lot of that I didn't know. I knew about Jamaica and I knew about some of that, but there was a lot of that that I did not know. So did you have, and I'm working towards something here, but did you have older girls, middle schoolers or high schoolers that included you and that poured into you and that, you know, um, kept you involved or no? Did somebody model that for you or is that just in you? I think I was following my mom and my grandma. Like I was watching what they did. And there was some of that I remember, and we'll talk more about when we get to talking about the youth group with you, but like I wanted to be a part of the youth group at that church so bad Mm -hmm. because my sister was three years older than me. She was already a part of it. And so I remember just watching her and being like, I just can't wait to get in there. Mm -hmm. They had their hands on the walls and they'd put their hands on the walls. They'd write their name underneath it. I'd picked out my spot. I knew exactly where I wanted it to go. Like I, it was, (laughs) so maybe some of that was like, not necessarily that someone took me under their wing, but that like I had my sister, and the other youth to look up to mm-hmm. and I was all I was amongst it because they were the ones going to Jamaica when I was too young because my mom and my sister probably went two or three years before I could okay so because um, I just don't know why my mom wouldn't let me go as like a elementary school student yeah. I remember being so upset like I wanted to go yeah, yeah. Um, and I think their first year they went had to have been I think I was in I think it was third grade. When I was in third grade was the first year they went. So they went three years before me. But it was – so I don't know that I had someone who really poured into me as much as I just, like, it was what we did. Mm -hmm. Like, we serve. This is what it looks like. And I wanted to be involved, and I wanted to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. And and so I don't know. That's where I kind of found myself. So – a lot of Connor's spiritual formation then were, was you pouring into him. I mean, the, the, the character, right? So the gentleness and the patience and the kindness and the, the goofiness. I mean, the Connor that's Connor's there. But on the spiritual formation side, a lot of that was you pouring into him. Is that, is that fair, you think? I think so, and I think I was probably, when we first started talking in the, like, the beginning workings of us dating, I was probably a little overbearing for him, because <laughs> I was serious about this stuff, Yeah, you know, and yeah. I think, I, I mean, he grew up in church, church was yeah. important to him, yeah. but I don't know that he, I don't know that he had experienced God in a meaningful way, and I kind of made it like, 
you better make it happen. You know, I don't know. It was <laughs> yeah. a very like, it was an expectation for me. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. And so I don't know. I was I was a little weird. I was yeah, a little at the top. Non-negotiable. Um, so then, so then, what took place? How did you end up with us? I mean, I know that because I stayed on him pretty consistently. Like, just bring her with you, you know? Because there was a time where he was coming to our place some and going to your place some. And I, I never haven't, I don't guess I ever heard or I forgot. I don't know the tipping point, but at some point, not only did he come, but then you began coming. What was that? What happened there? Well, the ministry that I was a part of at the church that I went to prior to, or the youth group I was a part of prior to coming to your youth group, um, like I said, they wanted it to be a small group model. And so it took a lot of different forms, mm-hmm. like it being led by um the man and his son and then my mom taking it and like having it in our home and at some point it was split between two homes but then that didn't work so it ended up just being our home and then going back to the church it went through a lot of like adult guidance and leadership (laughs) and i think i at connor had to help me remember this because i didn't remember all the details but i think it had just taken a different leadership and so it was kind of it had to come out of my hands and into someone else's and i think maybe numbers were down i don't know it wasn't the same as it was mm-hmm. and i will say that i loved the time that i had with that youth group and with that church community i grew a ton in my faith but i was still felt like i was searching for the youth group at the church i grew up in mm. with my hands on the wall yeah. with with my with like I don't know how my sister would talk about the people like the the couple that were there was the youth directors when at the church I grew up in we're still very close with them mm-hmm. um they actually Ed this Ed and Monica Siddle they'd be another great people to have on because they were missionaries in Bosnia for several years that's when they left that church they went to be missionaries in Bosnia wow. and a lot happened in that church and so that's when that youth group changed and I remember feeling so heartbroken because right before we transitioned from that church into um, the church I went to in middle school and some of high school, um, they painted over the hands after mm. they left. And I remember being heartbroken because I was like, I had a spot for my hands. I had picked and out so, my spot. And so going through all of that with um, that church and then the next church and having the small group model it was good in some ways but i just always felt like i was looking for something more mm-hmm. and so connor spoke very highly of you and i was like i mean i don't know this guy but whatever <laughs> what a weirdo um and so i was like so i think i just started coming with them because things had just shifted at the previous church and i was still looking for that like deep community mm-hmm. that was i saw modeled from my childhood mm-hmm. and people you know it's interesting i got all of the accolades like everybody thought that i was doing that but it wasn't it was y'all and i i say that i said it then i've said it since then consistently because it's true you know um what we built there is not normal um i don't know what normal is but but what god did there um uh is not i mean we do you remember (laughs) Do you remember when we had chairs outside of the old black room and people lined up just on the tile with the doors open to that room so they could hear like there was just people everywhere, you know, and and um, 
I mean, that ministry went from zero to 120 like that. Um, and, you know, it really was in that authenticity. It was you and Connor. Um, and then and then as folks added to, it's kind of like birds of a feather flock together, you know. And we just ended up with this land of misfit toys. And it was all these parts and pieces and I don't know that anybody was enough alike to, to establish a click per se. Um, but then it was like, we, you know, we're all, we can all be odd together. And it kind of built this us against the world kind of approach, which, um, which worked. So, so, um, you know, you were a junior when you came to us, if I got that right. Yeah, I think we, Yes, because Connor and I started dating sophomore year in February, and it was honestly almost a year later that I came because mm-hmm. I honestly don't remember when I started coming on like a Sunday night. Mm-hmm. I remember the ski trip. That yeah. might have been my first encounter that Connor talked me into going on a trip with, with everyone. Yeah. And I just remember, I remember that ski trip very vividly and being like, what on God's green earth is this? <laughs> um I couldn't ski to save my life. I gave it a valiant effort and never left the bunny slopes. Um, and But I just remember like how much fun it was and how just wild and crazy everyone was, but also how serious the, the times of worship were. Mm-hmm. And growing from the small group like mentality that I was at previously where my mom led a lot, and she was phenomenal, but it's different when it's your mom mm-hmm. to some extent. And like mm-hmm. coming into somewhere that was led by you who was strong and sure and like and encouraging and very like pushing in your faith. I think I needed the strong leadership mm-hmm. because I had been a leader and that was good, mm-hmm. but I was still a kid and I needed that leadership. And so I just, I remember walking away from that, from that ski trip and be like, well, these are my people. Yeah, and well, here we are. you know the thing is, leaders leaders can lead and be led. Like the most effective leaders in the world, you know, allow others to lead them while they're leading others. You know, um, which is a biblical model, to be honest. But that, um, so then from that, you've got like Haley Daly comes, Olivia's in there, um, Morgan. Uh, Mellinger was already there. She was um, one of the church kids, and and that upper Vanda Asbel was so pivotal pivotal in that. I remember Vanda having you all like to her house uh, for manicure and pedicure nights and dinners, and really kind of building that culture and pouring into the to the women. Because as a as a guy, and I was so rough then. I was so freaking rough back then, still rodeoing, and um, how in the world they let me hang out with teenagers, I don't, I do not know. But so from the guys' side, we had the bases covered. But then you had Laurie Mellinger and Vanda Asbell 
uh, Vicki Meeks was pivotal in that. So you had these women who were spiritually mature, but loved to have fun, didn't take themselves too seriously, and just pouring into these young women, these girls, teenage girls, and um, what I was the reason I was asking you if you ever had anybody to really model um, kind of inclusion of younger people. Um, Caroline Freeman is what I was getting at, and I'm sure you probably knew that. But like, I distinctly remember Caroline as a junior. I think she was a junior in high school. Um, and she went on to be the president of our youth group, the whole shebang. And but she was so excited because her high school group, the girls were beginning to invite the middle schoolers to different things that they were doing outside of student outside of youth i mean they would be doing i don't know a movie night or a whatever night whatever girls do but they would invite those middle schoolers and i did not know that you and and haley and olivia and and morgan and all that bunch i didn't know that y'all were including caroline uh, when she was an eighth grader i had no clue eighth and ninth grade that y'all were making sure that she was part of what you were doing and if if she needed it you'd go pick her up and give her rides places and you made sure she was in the loop and then you f fast forward like three or four years and she's repeating that process uh with the generation that's behind her uh and and was ecstatic i mean was really stoked to be doing that what I think too, like that is to me that 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 youth group was just we were one body, yeah. And so part of it was just like she's one of our girls, like that's what we do. Yeah, we take care of each other. We like I remember not. I mean the age didn't even matter because it was like if they're in our youth group, they're to be taken care of. Mm -hmm. And so it was cool to see that that cause that wasn't so everywhere. Mm -hmm. That wasn't something that you saw everywhere. But it, it established a culture. Like that built... Because Connor was doing the same thing with the guys. With Brian Landreth and... Oh my gosh, middle school Brian Landreth. Oh my gosh. But Connor was doing the same thing with the guys. Connor and Jeffrey and Lewis and Davey and all that bunch. What a bunch, man. But they were making sure that those younger guys were included to the ultimate... Uh, frisbee days and all of those things and giving folks rides and just really building authentic community like when we talk about authentic community those years for me anyway as somebody new to ministry i mean i'd loved jesus pretty much my whole life but i'd never been in vocational ministry mm -hmm. to see authentic community like that was like okay this is a gigantic piece of the puzzle this is a huge piece to to church if you will um yeah, oh, yeah. so sorry y'all built a culture you the two of you and your circles of friends built a culture that lasted um 11 years or whatever that was and i think that was and I know you say it was us and it was us, but it was also just the allowing the space and the the leadership for us the, to step into that and to sure. do that and, and to create a place that we wanted to be yeah, and wanted other people to experience it. Like I just remember I wanted everyone to come. 
mm-hmm. just because it was such a a pure place to experience God. Mm-hmm. And I wanted everyone to know that and to to experience that. And I remember I just felt like I was recruiting my friends one by one. Yeah. And <laughs> it had to be through trips. I would remember be like, if I can just get them on a trip, yeah. then they'll come then they'll see how unique and different and authentic this place is. Yes. And then they, they'll want to come back and and that was, you know, us, but it was also you. Yeah. And that and Mickey and Vicky, I mean, we had the dream team for those folks to be there not just while their while their kids were in the ministry but i mean like mickey and vicky and laurie were there i mean um mickey and, vicky's, mickey and vicky's kids had gotten out of even space between but and mickey was still there every sunday we we um god's just so good you know i was just talking to a friend of mine here so um we're ramping up for this spring semester in student ministry and um you know the ski trip is all but done as far as planning and all that and looking forward to spring break um we're planning a staycation you remember our staycations youth week um and and but my point is we were talking about how that gives you the opportunity to invite friends i mean when you're staying home you're local you have stuff every day or every other day uh, even if it's just a meal and watch a movie or something it gives you FaceTime. it gives you a chance to get some some friends to come hang out at church and realize that church can actually be cool so um so then from there, uh, we, we get you graduated, you go into college, and then we pretty much plant another church or another ministry. We start the space between. Um, what do yeah. you remember about those days, about that transition out of youth and into the space between? Have you stopped to think about that much? Oh, well, I just, it was very hard. It was, I was just so devastated to leave that community. I didn't get it. Like I got it because I knew I was old. I knew I graduated high school, (laughs) whatever, but I didn't get it. I'm like, why do I have to leave my people? Yeah. And that was a really, really difficult. I also don't like change. So I was like, these are my people. This is where I'm supposed to be. I've been ripped away from them. I was angry, honestly. Like, I was like, I don't want, I don't want a space between. I want to go back to the Scarlet Movement. Like, I want my people. Yeah. And um, so it was honestly a really difficult transition. But it shows just how, like, those, that was a community. Oh, yeah. I, and I... I just, I feel like anytime I have an opportunity to tell parents, I'm like, if you do anything for your child's faith life, you should do a lot. But if you do anything, plugging them into a youth group that is vibrant and, and serious about the faith is and so important. Mm-hmm. And so going into the Space Between ministry, like at the beginning, it was so few of us mm-hmm. that it was good, but it was like, it just didn't feel the same. Mm-mm. It felt a lot like a cheap version of yes. the Scarlet Movement. And I'm like, I'll just come back an hour earlier and hang out with the people that I really want to be with, which yes. is my, my youth group. But I couldn't. And so that was that was just a very hard time. And But then it was with the merging of the multiple churches. Mm-hmm. It was with the entering of Brooke Kitchens and the other leaders mm-hmm. that I was like, oh, this is the adult version of what I – or the – yeah, college yeah. version because we were barely adults, but like the college version of what I had, mm-hmm. and it was 
Like this is what it's supposed to be in this season. It's not, mm-hmm. we're not meant to be the Scarlet Movement. We're not meant to be out here playing spider ball and, and at a crazy cause yeah. we're college kids, but there's a different version of, of, of faith that, that that was supposed to be. And it was so cool. It was wild because of just the, we kept our trend of, of being an eclectic crew mm-hmm. and to having different life experiences. But I just was so thankful that you kept trying. Mm-hmm. Like I remember that camping trip prior to the merge. Gonna, I did not make you drink hot dog water. Don't even. Oh yes. The people of the keep it simple podcast. need to hear this story <laughs> that Bentley loved us so much and he wanted to spend time with us and he wanted to give us opportunities to be together. Even when we were a small college ministry before merging but and he had been in youth group youth work for a while so he should have done a little bit better but he took us to a primitive campsite it was awesome i I think we hiked 17 miles in two days which sounds amazing unless you aren't athletic (laughs) and so that was a whole thing but it was it was a ton of fun um i I rem- I was I remember having I mean so much fun more than I would ever think I could have hiking. It was hard for me physically because I was born with a muscle weakness on the right side of my body and so my right foot just kind of gave out after, you know, about a day and a half, but it was just such a cool experience to be in a space that is so different than what you're used to. And even if it's crazy stories you're you're remembering it. And yeah. I remember so much of that trip. And, um, but the best part of it was I had some, something happened that has not happened since. I think it was air bubbles. <laughs> I don't know. It hurt really bad. My feet already hurt. I was dying, <laughs> trying to have a good time, whatever. <laughs> and then Ben Lee and his awesome self didn't, I don't think we packed enough like Gatorades and stuff. And okay. so it was the last night and I developed some air bubbles. And apparently the way you get them out is to burp. I don't know how to burp. If you know anything about Connor, you know that he is the master of burping. He is the master burper. So he taught me how to burp that night. But the but to burp, I guess I needed some, like, I don't know, something to drink. The only thing that was left was what was the water that the hot dogs had been sitting in. So, yes, he did. Finley did make me drink hot dog water. And I thought I was going to die. But I burped. And it, they went away. The and I survived. went away. Yes, they did. Eventually. So the reason, legal disclaimer, all you Eagle Scouts out there who may stumble upon this, those dang boys, they drank every drop of water and Gatorade and Powerade and everything that we had. They wiped that junk out. We hiked the entire Pine Mountain Trail. Which is wild. That was awesome, man. That was so. That's one thing about our group. We worked hard. We played hard. We worshipped hard. Like we did everything wide open, which I think was part of the appeal. I mean, it was there was no safety. It was full send, um, no matter what we were doing. And uh, yeah, so so the space between gets started. Do you remember? I'd forgotten this. I was just talking about this to somebody the other night ago. I don't know what we were thinking. We were running that on Sunday nights from like 9 p.m. to midnight. So we would have youth like 6th through 12th grade from 5 to 8. 
p.m. on a Sunday night. And then we would have an hour to clean the room and flip and reset the room and get every rooms and get, you know, big room, black room, get everything set. And then you all would show up. And then we would be together then from 9 to midnight, get home about 1. Um, and just saying that, just in that 15 seconds it took to say that, I feel tired. Um, yes. I don't it was know a lot, we, and we were tired. You know, and I think that came with the, like, I remember sitting in the parking lot and watching all the youth leave and just being like, that's where I want to be. Yeah. yeah. And just being so angry. And, and I don't know, it's just the transition of change. And so that was a, it was, I'm proud of us for continuing, even when mm-hmm. that was like a hard thing. And then mm-hmm. when we merged between the churches and had just more momentum with yeah. um, Caitlin and Hayden and mm-hmm. everyone that came from Christ and that was when it was like oh this is starting to feel like home again mm-hmm. and by like, air I mean that was a complete we talked about it in Brooks episode I think that was a complete God thing so we were oh, planning yeah. a we were planning a joint beach trip and the four of us met to supposedly plan this next summer's trip and the entire lunch we talked about college and career age ministry and from yeah. that I had no idea that they had little pockets of people at these other places. And I'm like, we should just combine them. Let's just combine them. We'll have people, we'll have energy. And they're like, well, whose who's church does it belong to? Like, it doesn't have to belong to any church. Let's just put everybody in the room and go. And we did, and doggone if it didn't go. We changed to Thursday nights, which helped. Um, but, but almost all all of those original relationships are still intact like oh yeah in some way shape or form the other night at charity's wedding just sitting there watching you all dancing and having a big old time you know and thinking through how long y'all have been together there's some of y'all been together for well over a decade now um it's pretty pretty sweet oh yeah Um, i think that is the the picture of of community like Mm -hmm. the way that we were able to create an authentic environment where people could be just themselves and feel Mm -hmm. comfortable and and just grow and in a way that like it just it wasn't just like the scarlet movement it wasn't normal like college kids didn't do what we did Mm -hmm. they do we just didn't know that it was a thing and i don't know it, it was just it was incredible to walk, to experience and to, and to grow through and to still have those people now. Like mm-hmm. I had dinner last night with Brooke and, and Caitlin mm-hmm. meter. And I was just like, we were talking at some point and, and I, and we were talking about some of the struggles we were having and, and different things. And I would, I just looked at them and I was like, if I can't be myself with you two, mm-hmm. I'm lost. Mm-hmm. And it's so cool to see like that wouldn't be there if we hadn't done everything in the past mm-hmm. so it's just so cool to like watch how how much our lives would be different if we didn't if there was an obedience in the beginning mm-hmm. it's like it's like we say all the time we've said for years god works through relationships and and you know you don't have to be right just be real just just show up and be real and um yeah, th- those relationships have stay in power because they're built on authenticity. Um, 
So in those college years, you uh, went to Middle Georgia State uh, to be a teacher. Did you always know you were going to be a teacher? Is that like something just from as long as you can remember? Did you know that? Or how did you end up in the classroom? So I, growing up, I thought I wanted to be an elementary school teacher. Like that okay. was like all through school, high school, senior year. I was like, mm, I don't want to do that anymore. And I decided that I wanted to be a, a family and marriage counselor. Okay. Like that was my decision in college or in, in late high school, senior year. I went and like met with a family marriage counselor. I had a career path where I was going to go to Middle Georgia, but then I needed to go to Tacoa Falls because I, they had the degree oh, that I, I wanted. I remember that. You saying Tacoa Falls made me. I remember that. I had a whole like plan and. Um, I, I already was like a little iffy on that plan deep down, but I took a um, psychology class and it was ter- terrible. Yeah, it was science. And like, I was like, yeah. oh, psychology is science? I don't like science. <laughs> so then I was like, okay, now what? And teaching had always been a very important thing that I knew that I wanted to do. And so I felt the pull back to teaching. And so then I was like praying, like, okay, what does that look like? Is that elementary? Is that middle? Is that high? Like, I'm not the cutesy, artsy person that like I felt like elementary would be. My mom's had an in-home daycare since I was in first grade. So I was like, I'm sick of snotty children. Like, I didn't <laughs> want that anymore. And so I, um, you know, just in prayer, I remember it was really my freshman year of college I remember talking in, you know, in, in the space between and just being like, I think I've made the decision that it's middle school because I was like, I'm called to serve people. I want to be there for people. And who needs me more than middle schoolers? Mm-hmm. Like, I just felt like they were the ones that no one wanted. Mm-hmm. And so then I felt the pull that I was like, God wants me to go to the people who aren't wanted and they're not wanted. So like I felt the pull for middle school and so then I was like sold after that. I was like middle school or nothing. Like that's the yeah. best thing ever. <laughs> yeah. That uh, to teach middle school has to be a calling. I mean that. Yes. Um, and it's interesting the themes, you know, since we've revamped and redone the the podcast, there are, there are nuances and themes that kind of run throughout these interviews and um you know Michael's a teacher uh will uh, Cooper is a teacher, having you on as a teacher. Um, we've got some coaches in the background. and um, So that uh, that's exciting. So that uh, so one of my favorite Mindy stories, there's a lot. Mindy, you, you're my favorite. You know that, right? And so, I know. I don't know how we got through Scarlet Movement. I didn't address that. I was the favorite. You, you actually, it used to drive people so crazy well the ones that realized i wasn't kidding a lot of them thought i was kidding and so you know in ministry you can't really pick and choose and have favorites but so many of those kids i mean lots and lots of kids would be like you know i'm your favorite my answer was always nope mindy's my favorite and uh but you are you're my favorite you've been my favorite so one of my favorite um, memories, or or, or w- when it comes to you, so you had graduated college, you had gotten your teaching certificates and passed the. Is it Gase? Am I got that mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Are you Gase. surprised? I remember that Gase. I'm very impressed. Look at you. You had you had passed all that stuff, and you were trying to discern where it was you were going to teach, and you ended up at your school. You ended up what school are you at? Um, I teach in Bluckley County. 
Blackley County Middle? Yes, I teach the, there's only a primary elementary, middle, and high, so I teach at the middle school there. So tell that story um, the first time that you walked into your classroom. Um, yes. It, um, I, I knew so little about this county. I actually got the job because one of my cohort members called their school and said, hey, do you have any math or science cohort? positions? That, yeah, cohort. Bentley didn't cohort, believe that until he was in a cohort. cohort even a word? Yeah. Um, but she called and asked if they had any jobs for um, science or math. And they were like, no, but we have an ELA. And they gave them my number. And the principal called. And we talked for a minute. And then she's like, okay, come on Friday. And I thought that it was like just to meet with her. And she's like, bring, bring anything you want to bring to show yourself off. And I was like, oh, this is an interview. And so I went there on a Friday. The interview went well. I think, like, to me, it seemed like it was terrible, but I think it was okay. And then Saturday, I went to the Houston County job fair, and I really wanted to teach in Houston County because that's where I went through. That's where our student taught. Um, I just desperately wanted to, to teach there. And Monday, But that Saturday was terrible. I hated all the interviews. I just didn't feel good about anything. And then that Monday, the principal at the time called me, and she was like, offered me the job and I said yes and I didn't know much about this county I knew it was small I had one friend who taught there um I knew it was 30 minutes from home which wasn't bad and so like it took all summer for me to get my classroom and when I walked in I was like it was a good classroom and there was some stuff like decals and stuff on the wall and then I thought it was so cool because there was a verse on the wall mm-hmm. and it wasn't just any verse it was Bentley's life verse which is Mark nine twenty three, yeah, written in all is written in your Bible. It's written in all those Bibles we gave out. Yes, but and so it was. It was on the wall in your classroom. And then I, I mean, then I knew that I was like, this is where I'm supposed to be, and um, it was just a really cool thing. And since then, it it's just been very evident that that's where God wants me. Mm-hmm. It's a great place to be. My students are amazing. My admin's amazing. My, my coworkers are amazing. Like it is just an environment that God is in that school. Mm-hmm. And that's not something you can say in many other places. Mm-hmm. And I have just witnessed students praying for each other. I've witnessed teachers praying for one another. I've had like, one time I remember our social worker called us it was during COVID she called us all into the lunchroom and we just were in a huge circle the whole faculty praying and the Holy Spirit was there and just multiple times um they do a prayer just God was everywhere they did they do a prayer walk every year before the school year starts where the community is invited to come and pray over rooms a public school it's a county public county school yes and so it's just a it's an incredible opportunity to love on our students mm-hmm. and it's just a level of like love that I didn't in a level of like care and it's just so evident that God is there and mm-hmm. that is was something that I wasn't prepared for I was prepared for many things in being a teacher and good and bad but I wasn't prepared for how much how intertwined my faith would be with my role in the classroom mm-hmm. um, not I feel like I've been pretty adamant, though, that I haven't wanted to, like, push my faith on my students by any means mm-hmm. because I want my students to feel loved and cared for regardless mm-hmm. of, like, what I believe or anything like that. But 
just knowing what's around my students, knowing that the uh, that every teacher on my hall is praying for their students just as I am, that I can yeah. go across the hall and share something I'm struggling with, and I know that teacher will lay hands on me and pray with me, is just mm-hmm. incredible. <laughs> That's just so a, rare. It is, and it's 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 just a culture that I I couldn't create if I had dreamt. Like yeah. I couldn't dream of, of of what that was going to be. That day you texted me that picture, the scripture passage on the wall, I about fell out of my chair. I was like, are you kidding me right now? What are the chances? I mean, really, you, that's, not a, that's not a verse that's thrown around or often used or quoted or referenced or whatever. You know, it's not a super popular verse. Uh, so for it to have been on your wall was pretty far out for me. My other favorite story of you, and you, you I don't know, you'll have to remember this, I'm sure. But so, uh, you know, after fighting bulls forever and, and then doing student ministry and for years, and I decided to go to college, right? And uh, I don't know what the heck I was thinking. I was trying to be obedient. So I enroll in college. I'm at Middle Georgia State, and I'd, I'd never been college like i'd never been to campus i'd never been anywhere and uh, you and i i don't even think we had a conversation about it i don't think we discussed it i remember i was sitting in my office at the youth room and it was raining i remember that vividly and there's a knock like on the outside door not the office door but the outer door and between the youth room and carter hall and I go and look out, and there you are, standing there in the rain. And I open the door. I'm like, Mindy, what are you doing? And you said, get your coat, get in the car. And I'm like, okay, where are we going? And you're like, we're going to the school. I'm like, for what? And you're like, I'm going to show you where your classes are. By that point in our relationship, I realized it's it's useless to argue. <laughs> so I grab my coat, my rain jacket, and shut the lights out, lock the doors. And so we hop in your car. And it was like a mother hen with a little duckling. You, do you remember this or no? Yes, I and do. You, you took me to... You took me to the registrar's office to get a copy of my schedule. You took me to the student center to get my photograph taken for my student ID, which, by the way, you don't know this part. So in my leather shop, both down there and now here in Missouri, on my cutting table where one of my lights are, that that student ID is still sitting there because it's from that day. But you took me, made me get my photograph taken for the student ID. You took me to the library and made sure I bought all the correct books. And then you took me to every building and showed me here like, okay, so on Mondays and Wednesdays, you're going to come here. <laughs> and then after that, you're going to go here. And you literally like a, like a mother with a, with a kindergartner. But I'm going to tell you what, the next week when classes started, I didn't. I never felt nervous. Like I, I did feel nervous because I was the old guy, and I, I had classes with Ben Williams, and like I had classes with my students, which was a little bit weird. Um, so I, I was nervous just being the old guy, but um, but because you cared enough to go through all that, to take a half a day to drag me around, complaining naturally, complaining the whole time. Corruptator. 
grump tater um that first day and week of school was easy you know um, i remember i mean i just i remember you being nervous oh i was so and, nervous man and i think and i don't know i've oftentimes and i've learned about myself because i've really dug into different things like the enneagram where i've learned about like myself and why i do things that i do but i'm like i do for others what i feel like i would want done for me so what did i the first week before i started college i went and walked you know walk my classes and did what i did for you so i was like okay he's nervous let's go do this like this is what we do (laughs) yeah like i don't you know what number are you on enneagram i'm a two which is the helper um and so like i serve other i like to serve others and sometimes that can be from an unhealthy place like a um, need to be loved like i Mm -hmm. you know they say in my childhood at some point i was pretty much told that like i'm that I was loved for my helpfulness to other people. Mm-hmm. And that kind of, I can see that trend in like the missions that like, that's how I felt the most fulfilled was when I was like serving other people. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that all that falls into line. And, and I don't know, that's something when I was thinking of like preparing for this, you know, cause I was going to be prepared, prepared for this. Yeah. Um, and thinking of like my story is really like, um, just the role that, serving and missions played that mm-hmm. even from in relationships and in and you know it's going to like hinton and things like that were a, a important piece of of who i was but even more than that like m25 was so oh, like i felt like a piece of me was was put back when we went to m25 because mm-hmm. going to jamaica for so many years and serving like that that's where i felt like the most me and then we mm-hmm. go to m25 and that was so powerful mm-hmm. and um and then i think for me growing up one of, or like as a becoming an adult is learning that missions doesn't have to be on the streets of atlanta or in the hills of jamaica that missions is really loving the people around you mm-hmm. and so for me taking you to, through middle georgia that was like my missional moment like it was what i could yeah. do to serve you the best way that i knew how amen it made an impact on me all these years later i'm still talking about it and like i say when when you come up next i'll show you that idea or i'll take a picture of it and send it to you um it stays on my cutting table out there but yeah that and that's a good word that first year at m25 with gabe so gabe has kind of become a folk hero to to some degree you know because all the gabe stories and that guy's just he's amazing i was so thankful we got him on the podcast but that first year there was incredible um, and that happened through relationship. It was Ashley Waldroop from Hinton who, you know, we met Ashley. She was a summer staffer, a college summer staffer at Hinton. And on that free day, we took her and Mike and Matt with us to Fires Creek and to eat barbecue and all the normal stuff that we would do traditionally. So she chaperoned her younger brother's high school team to M25 and called me they got back to north carolina and called me the next day and was like you got to take a group here and as she described it i was like i can't take my youth but i'll take our college kids and that first year um that was the give me your nuggets 
Yeah. That was all the same year. Oh my gosh, yes. Give me your nuggets was that year. Yes, I think that, and really that was, there. I think of certain moments in my life and in in my faith where it's like, that was a pivotal time. Mm -hmm. Like that's where there was a shift. Like going to Jamaica and and experiencing the Holy Spirit, there are specific trips and moments that I'm like, I was changed in that that time. Mm -hmm. I wasn't the same person when I returned. Mm-hmm. And I felt that a lot when I was in your youth, in the youth group, sitting and listening to your teaching, mm-hmm. that there were times where you would share things that God had revealed to you. And I'm like, that is a shift moment. That's, I'm not mm-hmm. the same now that I know mm-hmm. that truth mm-hmm. or that I see God in this way mm-hmm. or however. And I remember going to M25 and being like, this is so important. And it's and it's a shift in how we address people and how we how we approach people. That it's not we're not here to fix it. We're just here to love them. And as a two, a, a helper, I'm a fixer. I'm like, yeah. you got an issue? I got it. Like I'm I'm, I'm gonna fix it. Yeah. And so in that moment, it's like, no, you're just gonna love, mm-hmm. and you're just gonna pour, and then, and that's all you're here to do. And that really like affected me in a huge way. I think I even went back in college and did a full project on. Um, I can't remember the full like purpose of the project, but I remember that, um, that it was about people who are experiencing homelessness mm-hmm. and my whole, like, I even like gave my presentation to another committee or something. I can't even remember the details, but I taught, I did it in class and then my professor wanted me to do it again for wow. something else. And mm-hmm. it was about like just how we view homeless people. And it was just something that I just felt so, um, passionate about and just and it just shifted how I viewed anyone really mm-hmm. that well I just said homeless people it's not really homeless people it's people who are experiencing homelessness that's right now and so it's not about their circumstances who their circumstances aren't who they are mm-hmm. it's they're a person they're a child of God first and mm-hmm. so that really like was a big shift for me and just pushed me and and so I think about that and then coming back and just being a college student and experiencing different people and, and encountering different people and how that affected how I treated people. And I think of like our fundraiser that we did that first year to go back to M25 and how powerful that time was um, because God had changed us so much that we had something to share. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, that's, that was a, and, it's, and it's very relational. Mm-hmm. That that's really the theme of anyone's life really is how relationships shape them. But very much for me is that I being at Neogram too, I relationships are crucial from for a, who I am. A, a lot of those relationships are still in place. I mean, so Gabe and Corey have both been on. Um mm-hmm. and that I mean it's just phenomenal the way that God works through relationships and you never know of a day you may encounter somebody you may have a shift that first year dim 25 i believe changed all of us the lord i mean there were nights of worship there unlike any i've ever experienced before or since um and there wasn't there wasn't you know 10 or 12 of us gathered uh, it's not like there was just this room full and a full band and all this emotionalism, but it was there was worship going on there um, that was um, supernatural, I guess would be the way to put that. Yeah, I feel so, like that was 
sorry, I was just going to say, I feel like that was when I um, saw what it was like to really experience the Holy Spirit as an adult because I'd experienced mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit a ton in Jamaica and I was a baby and I didn't know what that looked like to experience the Holy Spirit at home, like back mm-hmm. in the normal environment. So I remember that was just a very impressionable time that I, as a young adult, that I was like, this is what it looks like. Mm-hmm. And people still talk about those trips, but none more than the first one. Okay. And I, I'm not sure if you know this. Maybe you do or maybe you don't. But so the Lord has used intertwined our stories so much. Like if not for you and Connor. So literally the only reason I was able to come here and pastor this church where we are in Missouri now is because I went through licensing school. And the only reason I went through licensing school is so that I could marry you two. Yes, I, I thought that was so cool. I think it was, I don't remember which episode it was. Was it with Jared Middleton, I think, when that mm-hmm. you talked about licensing school? Is that who you went with, through with? Yes, yeah. And it's just, it's so cool how how relationships are just so like, things wouldn't be in place if no. you didn't. I mean, like the my people right now would not be my people if you weren't obedient in creating a conjoined space between. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's, it's not even really about me, it's just God work, and, you know, four people sitting down to plan a beach trip turns into what became known as a space between, but that, I also think that the Lord knows us, so like 2017, you all were married in 2017, is that right? Yes. Because I had to go through licensing school that spring, and you all got married that summer? Yeah, June. June, because the other day I said I thought it was December, and that was inaccurate. That was uh, that was uh, Caitlin and Brett, but it was November. I think they got married in November. Twenty eighteen is what I was thinking. But anyway, so um, so the licensing school deal had God, by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, told me in twenty seventeen, you're gonna go through licensing ordination and you're going to be in pulpit ministry i would have run hard and fast you know what i mean yeah um but i think that's a cool truth about god like he knows us right he knows our hearts he knows our inner workings he knows he knows um he also knew that I would stomach licensing school if it meant being able to marry y'all. Mm-hmm. And but you that, wouldn't have done that in any other circumstance. Right. That's what I'm getting at. But then from that, setting up things for future ministry, we just never really know. But it all goes back to authenticity and community, to relationships. Uh, God works through relationships. When we're real... Um, and we and we stay kind of in that connection. Um, God works through relationships. So marriage—that's where I was segue into. Um, so, how long you and Connor? I mean, how long did you date before you were married? Um, I believe it was like seven years, seven months, or something like that. And then, in how long, long have you been married? Um, six and a half years. Six and a half years. So y'all have been y'all have been together fourteen years. Yeah, February will be fourteen years. Wow. Yeah, it's a long and time. How, and how old are you? I am 
29. It's painful for me to say this is the year that I turned 30. 29. So almost you're you're in that you're at that tipping point where you will have been with Connor longer than you will have not. That's yeah. sweet. That's so sweet. Both of you, y'all hit the jackpot, ma'am. Well, and I think it's just that that's a testament of relationship too because we're just I tell people it feels like I've been in so many relationships that it <laughs> yeah, hasn't felt like that. the same one that we yeah. are the same kids that we that that he's just worked in so many ways that there were honestly times where we probably should have parted ways mm-hmm. and for selfish reasons we didn't and then but God still brought glory in it because he knew the bigger picture and so it's just we were just had no clue what we were getting into and I don't know. There was, there's just been so many ebbs and flows to our relationship because high school was good. We did our, you know, the typical breakup for a day here or there, you know, random things like that. And then college was good, but he, God used Connor so many times to speak to me because me being a relational person, me being a two and a helper and, and believing that I'm loved if I love others well Mm -hmm. and that I, and being a Enneagram too, like one of my greatest fears is that is, is of rejection and being left. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so for a long time in college, I remember that my, a lot of my identity was found in Connor. Mm-hmm. And so when we would get in an argument, when we would fight, I would just be wrecked because I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm failing. Like I just didn't get it. And I just remember mm-hmm. God just clearly telling me like, Connor doesn't matter. Like, you are yourself outside of him. Mm-hmm. And I had to get to a place where I was like, well, I might marry Connor. I might not. And that mm-hmm. will be okay because I'm just going to pursue God and see where it lands. Mm-hmm. And when I cha- made that shift, then I could see myself more as a child of God and less as, as Connor's girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And it was really like, so just, but the fact that God allowed us to stay together when I was doing that, when I was so lost in my relationship with him at that time. And then going into marriage has been fun and crazy and difficult and all the things <laughs> because we are very different people. Yes, you are. And we are both very stubborn and hard-headed people who like to match energy. So if I'm upset, he's upset. And so things like that that are just <laughs> have been we've really had to rely on God in those moments to be like, okay, we got to get recentered, regrounded in, in who he says we are and, mm-hmm. and in what he wants our relationship to look like. And so then you, it's just, and then having other couples that I can call Caitlin and I can be like, Oh my gosh, Connor just did that. Mm-hmm. And I had, and this is what I said and her be like, well, Mindy, you probably shouldn't have said that. And, you know, be like, yeah, yeah he's, he's husbands, you know, like she will just text each other every once in a while and just say husbands because yeah. we know that we have gr- amazing husbands that still drive us crazy and things like that, you know? So yeah. having a relationship in that is important. Um, but I think the hardest but most beautiful season has been becoming parents together. Oh yeah, ma'am. So let's talk before we make the jump to Annie J cause we will. Yeah. Um, let's talk marriage before Annie J. Like, do you remember that? Can you remember marriage before Annie J? Yes. So um, moving from engagement 
in the thrill of course you're a planner anybody that knows you yeah. a lot of people now are listening that won't know you but you're a planner to the nth degree to the nth nth degree you make plans for your plans oh yes and lists for your lists mm-hmm. so you know you got a, a year or more a year of this wedding planning then the wedding happens so that's all the elation the honeymoon and then you get home and kind of get settled and get in the groove and what was that season of life post honeymoon pre motherhood um it was great in many ways and difficult in several ways too because um, I started, so we got married in June and I started my master's program in August mm-hmm. and then Connor started his master's program the following August. So looking back at that, I'm like, that wasn't the brightest decision for our marriage because I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm giving everything I've got to my kids. I'm giving everything I've got to being a, a student and I've got about this much for you, Connor. So fit it in. Like, you know, like mm-hmm. don't get in my way. You better help because I might bulldoze you because I'm so stressed. And so I had to learn quickly, like, and it's honestly a daily thing for me to learn to refocus and know what, where my priority should be Mm. because it was just easy for me to be like, Connor, you can handle five minutes of my day. My kids at my school need me and I've got to be a good student because what am Mm -hmm. I if I'm not a good student? You know, like I was so lost in, in being a student, which isn't true. Like, being a wife was far more important than being a student, but it, yeah. early in marriage, I didn't know how to balance it all. Mm-hmm. And I needed to uphold a certain image that I could balance it all. Yeah, and yeah. that Connor's the only one who I, who could handle me dropping that image. And mm-hmm. so our first year of marriage was honestly pretty challenging because mm-hmm. I was so focused on everything but him. Mm-hmm. And in my faith, I wasn't focused on that either. I was focusing on surviving what I felt like I had to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that a lot of our pre years before Annie was me like finding my rhythm with Connor and prioritizing him. And we're both pretty independent people. And so then there have been times in our marriage where like I will prioritize him, but then he's not necessarily prioritizing me because he's used to us being independent so it's been a weird like ebb and flow of finding our room finding the room together and uh you should be proud of how often we talk about your premarital counseling and um talking about if i get your wording right i'll be impressed but talking about like the cycle and how someone has Mm -hmm. to break the cycle of being maybe rude or ugly or whatever and go back to loving one another. And I feel like for us and being our just very passionate people, very Mm -hmm. like dedicated people to rededicating ourselves to each other continually and, Mm -hmm. and looking for community within one another and not being so focused on fulfilling ourselves with the things of the world, but with God and with one another has been a, a challenge. That independence sets y'all apart, young though. And Brooke and I have talked about, especially in the space between years, when we would see other couples within the ministry. I was never for couples within the ministry, um, which you know that that's not a surprise to you. But because I wasn't willing to lose one, right? Because you know, you get two people in a college career age ministry, they start dating, 
they may pretty high probability they don't make it and then you lose one and it's like i don't want to lose any um what was admirable admirable about y'all at the high school level but all the way through college and and um still now to a degree y'all weren't clingy like you could be in the same room and you could be hanging out with your girlfriends and he'd be in there being dumb with the guys and neither of you felt the need to be right up under the other i mean but then by the end of the night you're walking out the door together headed to go get something to eat you know and i i can remember with with y'all being young i mean young being impressed by that and um and even as you matured and grew but what i'm hearing is that independence has a backside as well um so you talked about priorities 29 year old mindy yes 29 29 year old mindy what would 29 year old mindy tell 23 year old mindy 24 year old mindy about her priorities Mm. I think that, huh, um, I would tell 23-year-old Mindy to slow down mm-hmm. and that if you spend five hours on that paper instead of 10 hours, you're probably still going to get an A, mm-hmm. but you will find more fulfillment in watching a movie with your husband. Mm. And doing something in that relationship that, that that relationship was more important than what I felt like my obligations were. I think that has been a common thread in our marriage is that we have at times allowed our obligations to overshadow our relationship mm-hmm. because we want to show up for people. Yeah. And that means being consistent in your obligations and I've always been a very driven person, so I've had to be very like, this is what I dream, this is what I want, so I've got to do my absolute best at that. So I think I tell younger Mindy that it really doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. Focus on the relationships, mm-hmm. and it's okay to be driven. It's it's beautiful to. to but there's be a, a balance. To, yeah, to to have that balance for sure. That uh, like I think about like. Caroline and Allison, they listen uh, to the podcast. Caroline's in that stage of life right now, you know, married, uh, but uh, no children just yet. And and, um, and others who may give this a listen, you know, to hear that coming from you, I'm sure is, um, is, is encouraging, will be really, really solid advice. So um, you weather... A first home and into a second home, uh, the buying of your first home. And one of my sweetest, it was so bittersweet. I'm not a big crier, but man, the very last night in Georgia, I came to your house. And do you remember this? We, mm-hmm. you, you all made us dinner. You made, you made me dinner. And, um, and afterwards, uh, uh, Connor and Brooks played and sang The Blessing. I'd never heard it. My goofy tail thought they wrote it. <laughs> I thought I really did believe that they wrote that song because I'd never heard it, you know, because I'm whatever. Yeah. But squalled like a baby. And I remember leaving your house, driving back to Mom and Pop's, which is about a 40-minute drive. 
really wrestling with God. Like, what have I done? Like, have I, am I, have I gotten this wrong? You know, um, a lot of memories in that house. It was a great, great first house. Oh, yeah. Well, and I think, too, like, just that was such a sweet time. And I remember, like, truly grieving y'all leaving. Like, that was just mm-hmm. a heartbreak for me. And and mm-hmm. I think it's because, like, when you take away, when you get older and you take away, there's no youth group, there's no college ministry, there's there's life groups and things like that at church. But when you get down to your people and... Like, that's all that you really have. And then, and so it's hard to walk away from. And it's, it's just so essential to like, for me as being a relational person, having those people that I can be raw and real and not have to uphold an image is so like vital. I think about even in high school and college, like relationships were important. They were very important and they were an essential part of me. But some of my hardest and and most challenging experiences have been since then. Mm-hmm. And if I didn't have my people that I could go to and say like, hey, this is where I'm at mentally. I'm really not okay. This is what I'm dealing with. And knowing that they were praying for me and mm-hmm. pushing for me, like that's that's how I've survived some of the things I've gone through. Yeah. And the other night, you know, kind of leaning into that, the other night was Charity's wedding, great night, and mm-hmm. everybody together. You know, it was kind of like a reunion of sorts. There were there were many who couldn't make it and and uh, who were not there, but but to a degree, it was like a big like a big old family reunion. But there was a point later in the night. I mean, it was late. It was eleven o'clock, eleven fifteen at night, and I was sitting over there to the side because I don't dance. And Jamie Helms came and sat down beside me, and. He said to me, it was beautiful. We, we shared about 30, 40 minutes together just talking. And we were looking out at all y'all dancing. And he said, he said to me, he started, he said, how does it feel to be an integral part of all the relationships on that dance floor? And I said, I hadn't really thought about it, you know. I said, God, God did amazing work. And uh, he said, you know what's beautiful about it to me? And I said, what's that? And he said, I live downtown. I work downtown. I spend a lot of time downtown. He said, this is not normal. And I said, what do you mean by that? And he said, nobody cares what they look like. They don't care that they don't have rhythm. They don't care that they can't dance. They don't care that they're bouncing around with inflatable boom boxes and saxophones and microphones like they're 14 years old. Like, what you're watching is pure, uninhibited joy because you've got a group of people that can fully be themselves without the image or without any of the other what might somebody think or how do I look in this moment Mm -hmm. and I'm so thankful for that conversation with Jamie because it God God was using him to kind of tap me on the shoulder to say hey you know this is one of those moments where you need to understand like I'm I'm here um, in these relationships, in this community, I'm, I'm here. It's just really, really cool, um, and it's rare. I guess it is rare. I don't think about it being that rare 
because most of the time I just really don't care what the image is. But but I think for a group of people uh, to work that way, um, interacting with one another, that was sweet. The weekend was sweet. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, for as much flack as I caught about being a bridesman, uh, it was worth it. It was would a, give a you a hard time about that beautiful wedding and a great time together so you survive uh early marriage and um the selling of a home and the buying of a new home and the move um and then comes annie j um she's the best tell me a little bit about motherhood mindy Mm. it is the best and hardest thing that i've ever done yeah. Um, it was like, I don't know, We not that we dealt with full infertility before Annie, but it was a, a touch of it, I would say. Um, and so I was just so excited when I was able to get pregnant and have, and have Annie. And my pregnancy was great. And Annie, um, was, I've called her dream baby. I don't know that I call her dream toddler. But I call her dream baby and normal toddler um, because she definitely has her moments. Um, But it was definitely a learning curve. I think that I worked really hard in her first year to create, to not create it, to to help shape her into the dream baby and to like pour myself into her and to make sure she has everything she needs. And in that, I lost a lot of myself. And so Mm -hmm. that's where it was hard was I think that um, I dealt with, I never went to the doctor, but I believe that I dealt with like some version of postpartum anxiety where I really struggled with like just not being sure if everything was going to be okay. I was worried. I, I was like really obsessed with worrying that she was going to like die, which sounds crazy, but like it was a true yeah. um, fear for me. And just like, I remember the first night she slept in her crib, first night unswaddled, she, um, rolled over on her stomach and slept on her stomach which is a big no-no in the world of baby sleeping now that like even her little sleep sack that she still sleeps in has a little thing that says back is best Mm. and so when i and i i was by the book i'm like if the if mom's on call says that they should be doing this i'm doing this (laughs) because it was how i call my anxiety because i was like well if i'm doing everything by the book and she dies i i I, it's not on me which sounds crazy but that's like what my anxiety told me and so I remember that night I just cried and I was like, Connor, she's going to die. And which is crazy. She was fine, but I would go Mm -hmm. and flip her back over and she'd flip back. And it was just a ebb and flow of like of that. And so my first year of motherhood was just really, really difficult mentally for me Mm -hmm. because I just wanted to do it right so badly. Mm -hmm. And I just really struggled with relinquishing control that God would have her and that Mm -hmm. she'd be okay. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think that has been really hard for me. I've had some like health issues and, and physically it's been difficult for me. And so, but being a mom is such a joy. Like watching Annie <laughs> and her smiles and, and watching Connor with Annie is like so cool. And Connor handled all my anxiety well and did, and he was always there and he's the best dad in the world. Um, and but it's still just like we are very strong-willed people. So parenting with him as being two strong-willed people can be very interesting at times. Yeah. 
because what I think is best and what he thinks is best has at times been the opposite. And then yeah. we have to fight that together. And so community has been a huge role in that too because I don't know how many times I've called Caitlin and been like, I don't know what to do with her. Like, help me. What do I do with this? Or just voicing my concerns or, mm-hmm. or just having people show up and spend time with Annie. Like, I realize that there's nothing sweeter than seeing your people with your child. Oh, man. And people loving them. Yes. So, it's yes. been fun. It's been great, but it has definitely not been without its difficulties. Y'all have done a beautiful job, though. You were at the house the other night at Mama Pops, and, um, you know, when y'all left, it was such a treat for y'all to come. Thank you for that, for making the trip and taking the time. But y'all left, and just throughout the night, and even the next day, each of us at different times were like, they are that baby is amazing like she they are they are crushing the parent game you know and um it's so life-giving to have a baby in the house um yes you know and to to follow them around and 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 stop things from falling and breaking and just all the things that are exhausting the other thing that i'll say is um the two of you balance that very well like I have watched Connor tend to both you and Annie in ways that I don't know if I've ever seen another man tend to his family. Um, I'm not going to say I didn't know I had it, he had it in him, but very seldom am I around y'all together that I don't walk away and think, Wow. Um, and I can say the same thing for you. That same heart that showed up to put me in the car on a rainy day and show me around, always going that extra. You know, I, I've never seen her spill anything on herself that within three minutes you didn't have another outfit out of a bag. Another, you know what I mean? Like you've got backups for the backups for the backups. Um, yeah, I'm just really, really proud of of you too. Thank you. And I think it's really been a um, a centering thing for us. And when Annie was born, well, one thing that Connor and I have always, and it goes back to your premarital counseling, I remember when we talked about, like, expectations for each other. Mm-hmm. We still talk about that all the time, that, like, when I was pregnant with Annie, I'm like, my expectation is that there is not a primary parent, that we are together in this, and that mm-hmm. what I'm doing, you're doing, and what you're doing, I'm doing, and we're just caring and loving our child and it's really centered us in our faith too and in our faith as a family because it's like okay how do we want Annie to be raised mm-hmm. what do we want her to to know what do we want how do we want her to see us interact how do we handle when we have a conflict in front of her how do we handle and there's been times like even in our parenting where Connor will respond to Annie in a way and I'm like Connor I don't think that was appropriate because mm-hmm. she can't understand that you're frustrated right now Mm-hmm. And we need to use our words differently. And there have been times where I've been maybe acting out of my anxiety and Connor's like, you need to calm down here because that's going to feed on to Annie and that's not going to be healthy for her. And mm-hmm. so for us to like have conversations and not be at each other's throats, mm-hmm. when in years past, we probably would be at that kind of correction. Yeah. But yeah, like yeah. just knowing that we have the same goal of raising Annie to be someone who is knows that she's loved and cared for and that she can know God in a meaningful way. Like we have work to do to get there. Mm -hmm. And I feel grateful to have Connor to do that with 
Uh, That's been a big piece. Yeah, life is life. Marriage is marriage. Parenthood is parenthood. It's all work. It's grueling. It's worth it, but it's never easy. Uh, I don't know that the dream necessarily exists, but y'all are killing the game. Um, two thoughts, and then we'll wrap up. I know you're tired and got to go. Um, one, I'm glad that you and Caitlin have each other, Caitlin Meter. Um, uh, that is a relationship that blossomed early in the space between and is just multiplied. I mean, just, just uh, the way that the Lord brought you two together and has used each of you in the other's life um, is sacred, it's holy, it's a gift. Um, uh, so um, I end every episode. I didn't forget. Uh, Michael had to remind me um, a couple weeks ago, whenever that was last week. Um, so the name of the Keep It Simple podcast, the name of the podcast is Keep It Simple. Uh, it's Keep It Simple podcast. So Mindy Henderson, I'm actually anxious to know how you're going to, not anxious, but interested to know how you're going to answer this. Mindy Henderson, how do you keep things simple? You know that that is not an easy task for me because I am a, <laughs> I'm a detail person. I am an overthinker. I am going to have every angle handled. And so yes. being simple is not natural. Mm-hmm. Um, but a little, uh, I don't know, 25-pound, 18-month-old has taught me a lot about mm-hmm. keeping it simple because mm-hmm. sh- there's not a lot to sitting on the floor and playing with her, but that is required. And so I think I've been, you know, I've been prepping this answer because I've listened to every pot, every episode minus the last two. And it's been, I'm like, Oh, it's coming for me. Um, I would say I try my best to keep it simple by focusing on the relationships okay. that I'm like, okay, in this moment, like last night at dinner, I'm like, I'm with my two friends here. Mm-hmm. what do they need for me right now? Like, how can I best serve them? How can I be present in this moment and not allow my stresses or whatever to, to overcome? So I focus on who's in front of me mm-hmm. and what's in front of me and saying, mm-hmm. how can I best serve them in this moment? That's good. And so I think that's, I keep it simple by focusing on the relationships. Is that a good answer? What? Yes. What is, <laughs> what has God put in front of me? Yes. Awesome. All right. So at some point in the future, we're going to have an episode where you and Connor are on together because I need the world to experience the two of you together. Um, maybe we'll do an episode at some point. We'll we'll put you and Caroline, you and CB can come on. Or uh, somebody a couple episodes ago said you ought to have start having multiple people on. I said, All right, that'd be a great idea. So maybe one day uh, soon we can get you and Connor on together. Mindy, thank you. Um, thank you. I know you thank got a you. lot going on, and you go from the time the alarm hits until the time you collapse. So thank you for making time. Um, I hope I get to see you before. I know that I'll see you at Hayden in Casey's wedding, but maybe yeah. just maybe I get to see you before then. Maybe. So, all right, hugs all around. I miss you. I love you. Thank you. Love you too. Thank you. All right, bye. All right, bye.